Imagine it's 1925, right in the middle of the Roaring Twenties. In America, we look back at this time rather fondly, right? We think of it as the era of Babe Ruth and jazz and speakeasies. It's a time when new entertainment was becoming widespread. People went to the movie theaters in mass. Homes, people owned radios in their homes and they would gather around them at night to listen to various programs. Technology was rapidly developing. The airplane was growing by leaps and bounds. And cars, automobiles, once the plaything of only the super rich became mass produced and widely available. New technology, new entertainment, a good economy, and the war was over. The First World War was over. It seemed like things were going really well. But there were dark clouds gathering on the horizon. In 1925, a man named Benito Mussolini dissolved Italian parliament, declaring himself to be Il Duce, the leader, more accurately, the dictator of Italy. 1925, a man named Joseph Stalin seized the reins of power in the Soviet Union. He would be a brutal dictator for the nearly three decades that he ruled, and by the end of his life, responsible for the murder of tens of millions of people. And in 1925, a man named Adolf Hitler published Mein Kampf, laying out his demonic Nazi ideology, and we all know he would go on to be responsible for the deaths of tens of millions as well. And so it was with great courage and foresight that the Pope at the time, Pius XI, was willing to look beyond the superficial success and good times of the Roaring Twenties to see the gathering storm clouds ahead and to offer a prophetic warning to the world. And so it was that in the close of 1925, he published an encyclical letter, Quas Primas, this, this papal letter promulgating the annual solemnity of Christ the King, which we celebrate today. This feast of Christ the King, it teaches us the perennial truth that there is an authority infinitely higher than worldly rulers who want to remake reality how they see fit. Christ the King reminds us that there is a king infinitely above even the most powerful of earthly kings, Jesus Christ. He who is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. His indestructible kingship, his everlasting dominion, extends over all peoples, nations, and languages. He is the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. And this feast day reminds us that he must be the king of our life, our heart, our soul, family, and homes as well. And our gospel gives us a hint where we can allow, or how we can allow Christ to reign in our hearts and souls, or to reaffirm that reign. And it's in this remarkable exchange between Jesus and Pontius Pilate just hours before our Lord's crucifixion. Jesus is charged with claiming to be the king of the Jews. And this is a serious charge. 
Rome didn't like competitors, especially within their own empire. Now, don't get me wrong, Rome had no difficulty with a puppet king like Herod, a king kept on a short leash by Caesar, a king in name only, but one who claimed to be king without Caesar's permission. Such a man was a threat. Such a man usually led some kind of armed rebellion, daring to challenge the power of Rome. So Pilate is determined to get to the bottom of this, and he interrogates our Lord. Are you the king of the Jews? And when he doesn't get the answer he's looking for, he persists and says, your own nation handed you over to me. What on earth have you done? Jesus says first that his kingdom is not of this world. He's admitting he is a king, but it's not a worldly kingdom. And in one sense, that's kind of obvious from the passion narrative. Here is the king of kings, lord of lords, the almighty who has an everlasting dominion over all that exists, yet he permits himself to be arrested, falsely accused, falsely charged before the Sanhedrin, and brought before Pontius Pilate to be interrogated. Within a few hours, he will don his crown, not a glorious crown of gold and jewels, but a crown of thorns. And he will ascend to his throne, again, not some gilded, padded throne that we would associate with a king. His throne is his cross. His kingdom is not of this world. And it shows us the otherworldly goodness and love of our King, of Christ the King, who humbled himself to raise us up, who became lower than the lowest of criminals and died a shameful and torturous death so that those who accept his gift of grace and salvation might live forever. Our King loves us to such an extent that even when we were sinners, he laid down his life for us so that we might live forever. And so if Christ is to reign in our hearts and our souls, then we must seek to lay down our life for him and our neighbor. We must seek to humble ourselves. We who know the sin of pride, who are guilty of the sin of pride, Jesus is without sin. We must humble ourselves and lay down our life for Christ, our King, for our neighbor. And if we do that, if we do that, we shall reign with him in eternity. We must see his otherworldly kingdom as our true home rather than our thisworldly life. So that's the first thing he teaches us about what it means to reign. His kingdom is not of this world, and that is where our true treasure must be. Secondly, Jesus speaks about the truth. He says, for this I was born, and for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then our gospel ends, which is a shame. I really wish it included Pilate's response. Because Pilate responds with a question. Quid es veritas? What is truth? Now, it's really a non-question. You know, Pilate had heard of the concept of truth before. He was governor within the Roman Empire. This was not like some new concept thrown his way. No, it's a cynical, skeptical 
dismissal of the very notion of truth. See, something not worthy of discussion at the time. He sees truth perhaps not as conformity of our mind with reality, but as something that is malleable, something that can be spun to, and molded to fit one's agenda and one's narrative. And sadly, were Pilate around today, he would find many who would echo his cynical dismissal of truth. Many see truth not as something objective, but again, as something that's to be spun and molded to fit into a narrative. And this was true of Mussolini, Stalin, and Hitler, who sought to remake society according to their ideologies, to spin and mold truth to fit that narrative. It was true of them as much as it's true of today, of those who want to do the same. And this, you know, thanks be to God, we don't live under a dictator like a Stalin, a Mussolini, or a Hitler but we do live under what Benedict XVI and Pope Francis have both called the dictatorship of relativism, a culture that doesn't recognize any definitive moral or religious truth, but rather sees them as opinion, as things to be spun or molded to fit one's agenda or narrative. Well, if Christ is to reign in our life, then we must acknowledge that objective truth exists, that we can know the truth, not simply the truth about the material world, truth that can be measured and tested, but the truth that Christ came to reveal to us, our very purpose and identity made in the image and likeness of God and destined for heaven, truth about God, truth about morality, right and wrong, good and evil, true and false. You know, I'll, I'll close with this. In this encyclical, Pius XI wrote that the manifold evils in the world are due to the fact that the majority of men had thrust Jesus Christ and his holy law out of their lives. And, of course, again, he was speaking about these secular tyrants in the 20s, but it's true of us in every age. You know, since the Garden of Eden, mankind has been rebelling against God, against Christ the King, if you will, saying, I will not obey his laws. I will determine for myself what is right or wrong, good or evil, true or false. And it's been a doomed rebellion from the beginning. This feast, solemnity of Christ the King, it's a call for us to end that doomed rebellion, to return and reveal Christ as our King and our God, to let him reign over our hearts and souls, over our lives, our homes and families. May we allow him to reign in our lives now, in our hearts now, so that we can experience the fullness of his kingdom when he comes again.